to support doms and subs in Broward County, to build a dungeon created for us by us, the taxpayers and voting citizens. In closing, do not let this glamorous look distract you from doing your duty to take my demand. I look forward to spanking each and every single one of you at the new esteemed dungeon. You are dismissed. Okay, thank you. And happy holidays to you. Listen, living, listening to Synchronon. Sick and wrong. Yes, you're listening to Synchronon. The Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. God, what a bunch of scumbags. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. I'm one of your hosts, D. Simon. Hi, I'm Kate Rambo. Hello. Kate Rambo. How often do you watch wrestling these days? Uh, Nowhere near as much as I used to. I mean, I used to watch like three nights of wrestling a week at one point in my life. We're not talking Cumbrian wrestling. We're talking pro wrestling, right? Real wrestling. Uh, Real American wrestling. Uh, No, but I do. I get like my wrestling fixes pretty much. I follow a lot of wrestling accounts on Instagram, like classic wrestling. And then I keep up with what's happening in modern wrestling through What Culture Wrestling on YouTube. And then I just like uh, I follow uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin on Twitter and Instagram and any and I still listen to his old podcast episodes. Well, and didn't you like Chris Jericho for a while? Did you like his podcast? I di- like I dip it and dive out of Chris Jericho because I really like Stone Cold as a person. Like I know me and Stone Cold could like go for a beer together and have like a good time. We could talk about hitting women. But Chris Jericho is a fucking trumper. He's a Republican. I ain't got no time for that. So Stone I've got Cold's kind of little trumper? respect for him. I thought Stone Cold is a trumper. Looks like him. Uh, I actually don't know where he like leans politically, but I think he thinks that Trump is a jackass because he fucking is. <laughs> so when you what years I guess was your, raw is your war. prime pro wrestling years raw is war I am a raw is war attitude era baby I can't think of a better uh, wrestling like time to be coming of age in it was who, so who were the raw war people or who were the like, big wrestlers well, Stone Cold The Rock Mankind it's when Vince McMahon was like like a, a real figurehead in the company as well great times yeah. Sable Undertaker was he still around at that point Undertaker was still around The Undertaker should have fucking started to think about retiring back then but he never did we had DX um, Triple H China all these all the what about the ones. British Bulldog British Bulldog, like I'd watched, uh, I watched wrestling growing up as well, right? So like my older brother loved British Bulldog, but British Bulldog, I think might have died or was, he definitely wasn't in the WWF at that point and, and might be dead. He and might Jake have died. Jake the Snake? Jake the Snake was not in WWF at that point. He was in like, um, we couldn't get uh, WCW or ECW over here unless you had to pay more on like Sky and my mum wasn't prepared to do that so I only really had access to WWF yeah I never so in South Africa wrestling wasn't a big thing so I never grew up you know watching it and then when I came here I think I feel sorry for you even at like 
when I was like 13, 14, I was kind of, I, I mean, I liked Andre the Giant. I thought he was cool. And I thought that uh, was before my era as yeah, well. Yeah, I liked uh, Ultimate Warriors. Never a big fan of Hulk Hogan. No, I did think Ultimate that. Warrior was cool. That guy's a fucking, or was a fucking dick. Did you, did yeah, you ever I've, see what happened to him? Yeah. Uh, I've always been a fan of the heels, though, like you were just saying. I never but, liked the um, the good guys. I always liked the heels. Like when I, Stone Cold and yeah. The Rock were heels. Undertaker like, was awesome. I liked Jake the Snake. Mm. I thought he was cool. Rick I Flair, was a I thought, was kind of, I thought Ric Flair was kind of cool at the time. I never liked Ric Flair. No, I was not into Ric Flair. Although, although I did just say I loved heel, I love heels, and I don't like Ric Flair. But I just don't like Ric Flair. The woos, like, Woo! really pissed me off. Um, I love Big Boss Man, though. I will say, I think Big Boss Man is completely underrated. One of the most underrated wrestlers of all time is the Big Boss Man. Was he the guy that would wear, like, the police officer outfit? Security, yeah. Yeah, security, security. guard outfit. Yeah, I remember he that He was guy. fucking awesome. So Never got did, his Jews. So when did you stop like being into wrestling? What made you stop? I kind of stopped around like the John Cena, CM Punk years because it changed. So Vince McMahon basically made the company public. And when that happened, uh, yeah, out went the Attitude Era. There was no more titties. There was no more blood. And it just kind of became a bit like just whitewashed and just really fucking boring and i wasn't the only person that like noped out of it at that point a lot of people did and but i would you, still dip in and dive but no but no do you think it's because to. you were getting older and you were like maturing and you had you know new things to watch or do you think it was just, it was wrestling wrestling changed wrestling changed and like i just wasn't into like the new generation of wrestlers and oh, what's he called that fucker related to the rock roman reigns like i absolutely cannot stand him he never deserved to be champ and like he's so fucking bland wrestlers like that should not exist or be given the chance to like get up to like to get in the fucking ring and people what? like him are winning i did like john cena though i'll always say that what about the indie wrestling scene is there an indie wrestling scene in uh, england Oh, yeah, huge one. And then there was the uh, EC Dub up in Glasgow. I went to see that a couple of times. And I've like, and then there's like a Carlisle wrestling thing they do here. So I saw Grado here and would go to that every so often. It's just a good excuse to get drunk is going to local wrestling shows. You know, it's a big thing in L.A. There's like a whole league. Like Ryan Keeley's friends are a lot of these like indie wrestler guys um, that put on yeah. crazy shows. And it's... It's kind of cool to watch. You know, we went and saw Lucha Bavoom. That was like the Mexican. A lot of those dudes are also indie in indie wrestling leagues. Yeah, I mean, it is fun. But to me, the indie wrestling leagues, because I'm not somebody like John Steele. Like, John Steele knows everything about the sport and appreciates it from that value. I, like, appreciate it in, like, a different way. And I, I just like getting drunk at them. But I went to go and see WWF when it came to Britain when I was, like, 15 and 16. Oh, like a WrestleMania? I can't remember what events they were, but The Rock was there because I touched The Rock's shoulder. Um, elbow, sorry. I touched his elbow. And then it, there was, like, The Undertaker and who else? I can't. I think Mankind was there the next year. Wait, how old were you? Like, 22? 15, 16. 15, 16. <laughs> Did you get a shirt? Um, I can't remember buying a shirt, but I did make signs. <laughs> were you at a, a sign for The Rock? I had a sign for The Rock, and I... Can't remember if I took a sign the next year because there was loads of us who went the next year, but the first year there wasn't many. It was what like did your sign say? Went. Hey, Rock, show me your cock. I can't remember what my sign says. <laughs> it's like I took a sign for the Backstreet Boys the first time I went to go see them first time. The only time I saw the Backstreet Boys when I was like 13. 
I made a sign to take for them. And I can't remember what the sign says. But I do Fuck remember you. there was one point when the Backstreet Boys were flying over us, like, on, like, uh, wires. And Nick Carter read my sign. And he made, like, a really screwed up, like, what the fuck face. So I really wonder what I wrote on that sign. I wish I could go back in time. It'd be great if it just said, eat a dick, Nick Carter. <laughs> I'd love that. He wasn't my favorite. I liked the old one. He was, so, it would have been very pedophilic for him to get with me. You were all about pro wrestling. You, you, know, you went and saw it live and all that. What are your sentiments on UFC and mixed martial arts in general? It's gay. You're just not, were you just kind of turned off by it? You just were never into it? It's so boring to watch. It's just like at least wrestling is entertaining. There's like some drama, there's storylines, and like there's a mixture of mixture of all different types of wrestling. It's you're not just going to see one thing. UFC is you just see two men holding each other very closely, and mostly balls are in faces, and everyone's like, "Oh yeah, they're really hurting each other. They're hurting each other." So I I just don't want to see two grown men basically cuddling on the floor. <laughs> trying to choke each other out. You know, I just, I was also never a big UFC fan. I also kind of find it boring. I understand, like, why, because it became huge. It is, it still is huge in this country. Like, well, is it that CM big Punk. in, is it yeah. still that big well, in England? Uh, it's still a big thing, yeah. CM Punk left wrestling thinking that he could go into the UFC and got completely battered, and it was hilarious. It was Didn't Brock Lesnar do the other way around? Like, Brock Lesnar was yeah. in... He was in the U- UFC, and then he went into pro wrestling. Yeah, I must say, although he is a technically, he's like Chris Benoit. He's technically an amazing wrestler. He was never one of my favorites. Um, yeah, I mean, he was kind of cool to watch in the UFC. You see these big giants just kind of going at it. I don't mind watching a highlight reel of knockouts. I mean, especially if they're like yeah, doing crazy do karate chops and shit like that. But. Every UFC fight I've ever watched, it's a guy takes down another guy. Next thing you know, two minutes of them just kind of rolling around the 69 position trying to choke each other out with their legs. It's like, I don't want to watch that. Boring. I'd rather watch boxing. Yeah. Boxing is, that is a, that's the one like combat sport I've always been into. Even when I was a kid, like I remember when I first came here, that's kind of why I wasn't super into wrestling. It's like, I just, it's fantasy. And I was just like, well, whatever. I mean, it's not real. But watching Mike Tyson just knock the fucking hell out of somebody, I was like, this is kind of this is kind of fun. I mean, I was because I'm so old. I remember like we would all pitch in like 10, 20 bucks to watch the Mike, the, you know, the Mike Tyson fight. And it would last 90 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> he would just come out, just knock the guy out. And it's just like, well, there goes 80 bucks pay-per-view. You know, it's well, like, but it was fun. I suppose- Boxing is like, I know in UFC they do, they do the weigh-ins and the shit like that, but it's not the same as boxing because when you get people like Muhammad Ali, who's oh, basically yeah. got the personality of a wrestler, you know, it is more like wrestling is like the best of like boxing combined with UFC. I guess, no, I mean, no one's really. like, I mean, most people do get KO'd in uh, wrestling, but there's like a storyline to it. Whereas like in boxing, it's just like, you know, oh, two yeah. dudes with their gloves, you know, Mano against Mano. Do you think uh, UFC killed pro wrestling like uh, grunge did to hair metal? No, because wrestling will never die. Wrestling is always going to be around. Like, Vince McMahon is now retired, although I think he's retired for other reasons which will come out in the wash. But I think the problem with the WWE is it hasn't changed with the times, and it's trying to, like 
do something for shareholders where it should just go back to the days of being a closed company again, I think, and not giving a shit, bring back the blood, be gruesome, and go back to the good old days. And it will have that resurgence because Vince is gone now, and now it's in the control of um, Hunter Hearst Helmsley. I would like to know, though, how popular pro wrestling is these days compared to UFC because these UFC fights I mean that's like fucking stadiums like in Vegas yeah I think UFC is probably more popular than I would say than WWE definitely but having said that I can name 20 wrestlers now and I can't name a single UFC fight I mean I'm the, I couldn't even name either one like <laughs> I mean I don't even really know but I just remember like when I was growing up, and especially in the 90s, MMA definitely wasn't a thing. I do recall John McCain trying to stop it and ban it because he said oh, it was wow. like, yeah, he said it was like human cockfighting. And they, he kind was of like, is. yeah, he did a big campaign in the 90s trying to stop MMA because it was too violent. But then it just blew up and became huge. But I was just never, never into it, never really watched it. And I recall, and I'm pretty sure I told this story on the show years ago, but this would have been, ah, God, 15 years ago, something like that. I was dating this girl who was a, she was a Pilates instructor in Fremont, California. I don't know, I met her randomly. We only dated for like a month. But she invited me to, I think she was at her parents' huge house and she was having a party with some of her Fremont friends. Fremont's kind of in the, in the, in the country. Sort of just, okay. a, it's, it's a good like hour BART ride outside of San Francisco. And so... I go over there and uh, we're hanging out and she's with a, like a bunch of her like, you know, local friends that she went to high school with. And, and you know, I'm dreadlocked and all like, you know, <laughs> strip club DJ guy. And I'm just I think she just kind of like dating the goth dude because she was kind of normal, blonde looking. She was hot, but whatever. Um, anyway, we're sitting there hanging out and one of her friends is like big redneck looking dude was just like. So you in MMA? And I was like, I thought he said MDMA. And I was just kind of like, yeah, totally. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And he was just like, oh, that's cool. What, what, what do you like? And I was just like, fucking any of it, you know? I mean, whatever. I'll, you know, pills fine with me. And he's like, well, we're going to go do some in the backyard. You want to, you want to, I was, I was just like, yeah, totally. And he's just like, yeah, all right. Uh, hey, we're going to go, uh, let's go outside. And so like a bunch of dudes all went outside and I was like, well, this is weird, but whatever. And so we go outside and, and he's just like, all right, well, who wants to go first? And I was like, what do you guys have? Do you have like your pills? Is it powder? Like what, like what was it Molly? And he's just like, what are you talking about? And I was like, MDMA. Did you say we're going to do MDMA? He's like, MMA. And I was like, I don't think I've ever done that before. Like what's an <laughs> MMA? And he was just like, mixed martial arts, bro. And I was like, Fuck, <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. You guys are gonna like fight each other out here in the backyard and they're wasted. And I was like, no, no, I'm not into it. He's like, all right. And then, yeah, they started like fighting each other and like wrestling around and shit on the ground. It would have been amazing at that point if you were like, oh, well, I always knew these would come in handy one day. And so you just pulled out your nunchucks from your back. <laughs> just started kicking everybody's ass. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Technically, so you kind of have a background in mixed mar martial arts, so you could have got I into mean, I, it. I did Taekwondo when I was a kid, but yeah, I, that was the first time I'd ever heard the term MMA. Like, I didn't right. even know what it, what it meant. And now, obviously, it's like, you know, everybody knows what UFC and MMA is. So this week, uh, I've been wanting to chat with this guy for a while, 
but um, and, you know, it's just difficult to schedule these things. But I emailed an MMA fighter and a bare knuckle boxer named Amazing. Diego Gajira. Yeah, I mean, he does. He was in the MMA, or he was in the I don't know not UFC, but he was definitely in MMA fighting professionally. And then he became a bare knuckle boxer, which is fucking insane. Like, if you ever watch those videos online of those, like, usually Irish. And they're just well, like in a farm, okay. surrounded by hay. And I'm gonna. Say, I was about to say they're not usually Irish. They're usually gypsies, yeah. and it's usually somebody related to Conor McGregor. <laughs> That's usually here. <laughs> Tyson Fury, or yeah, you know what? Uh, he's fucking another one that uh, isn't he the gypsy? Uh, I think so. Yeah. I mean, obviously Conor McGregor's like the king of them. Yeah. Um, but you also see a, like a lot of Russian videos, these Russian dudes just going out at bare knuckle boxing and like They're, someone's phone. What else is there stable. to do in Shitul Voshlalglia? We just can like drink vodka and we fight. In between rounds, just guzzling vodka. But anyway, um, the thing that makes Diego stand out from the typical MMA fighter is he's also a drag queen named Lola Pistola. Like so, Alex Reed. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna chat with this guy in uh, just one minute. But first, let's talk about the Sick Around Patreon. Uh, we've yes. been releasing a lot of Patreon exclusive content, and by that I mean a lot. Um, <laughs> the past couple of weeks, we've had my sister on the show. We've had um, this week we have uh, special guest Joe Kelly on the show. Jojo Kelly. Oh yeah. my god, we were such chatty cafes. I know, you know, I had like all these plans for the episode to do like a story and all this. We ended up just chatting with Joe for 90 minutes about adjusting to life back in New York City, uh, Christmas with his dysfunctional family, um, getting a blowy from a mental Long Island sliz in uh, his mom's driveway. Who's a phenomenal artist, I must say. Yeah, no, we we we. It was it was it was fun to catch up with him. Also, uh, the whole saga with him getting his uh, his furniture and stuff stolen by the Russians—that's oh also God, a pretty yeah. interesting story. So anyway, we're doing a lot right Jojo. now on the Patreon, and it doesn't even cost that much to get access to all this content. And you're supporting the show for only five bucks a month. Uh, you get an entire second show, the Sick and Wrong Second Show, which is um, it's a lot more personal, a bit more randy. Me and Kate let our guards down. You know, there's no no safety net on the second show. You're, you're free flying, and uh, and it was cool catching up with uh, with uh, oh, Joe. I'm sorry. Did I just sing Tom Petty? I'm really really sorry. Yeah, I know what you're doing over there. I'm sorry, I did that. I really giddy. hate Tom Petty. I don't know where that came giddy from. Giddy with the Patreon. Um, but yeah, that's only for five dollars a month, and then for a few bucks more, you get access to the uh, the Sick and Wrong Overkill, which is our bonus minisode. And uh, this holiday season, Kate did a, an extra special overkill because she loves the holidays and Christmas so much that uh, it was a a special that came out. Um, can, can I say what it's about, or do you want to, or do you, you just can, want people to be surprised? You can say if you want. It's a whole like um, I guess I would almost say it's like a deep dive into the uh, death of John Bonet, right? Yeah, it's like a two-hour fucking special. Uh, listen to it in two parts. I'm not going to split it up into two parts. You can split it up into two parts. But I'd li- I've listened to a lot of, like, I think I estimate nearly 50 hours of JonBenet Ramsey stuff. And I've chopped it all up and I've presented it to you. And I must say, I went into it thinking I knew who killed JonBenet. And now I don't know who the fuck killed JonBenet. Do you, at the end of it, after you've listened to it, do you kind of make your own conclusion? No, that is my conclusion. I want everyone on no the Patreon who listens to it to tell me. Like who they think 
killed JonBenet? Because I certainly don't think it was her parents. So check it out, people. Ten bucks a month to get access to the Sick and Wrong Overkill as well as the Sick and Wrong Archives. The first ten years of Sick and Wrong on a SoundCloud playlist. All that and more on the Sick and Wrong Patreon. Patreon.com slash Sick and Wrong. Support the show. Uh, we do appreciate it. Anyway, here's a quick Patreon teaser that we're hoping will persuade you to sign up for uh, for uh, the, our Patreon. And then let's chat with MMA fighter slash drag queen Diego Garrijo. Hey, Sick and Wrong listeners. If you're not currently a Sick and Wrong patron, you might be missing out on special moments like this one. All right, so you guys listen to Dave Matthews. You yeah, got a water. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and then... Uh, and She's then... like, come to the boudoir. Right. The boudoir. The boudoir. She is the type of woman who would call it a boudoir. Right. So, so you go in there. When did you see, first encounter the smell? Uh, I think it's like when I pulled off her pants. Oh, she so pulled her panties down. Wow, just when and you I, and, what and pants or panties? No, no, no. Pants panties or trousers still on, here. Panties still on. Strong whiff. Oh, through Whoa. the panties. Yeah. That's intense. That's intense. Right. That's intense. And I noticed. And so you're like, I got to go further. And I was like, I got to get my head in there. (laughs) I got to put my tongue in that. (laughs) I got to inspect a little closer. (laughs) I got to find Nemo. (laughs) For only $5 a month, you can enjoy these special moments. A bonus news story, extra phone calls, and an hour's worth of outtakes every week at patreon.com slash sickandwrong. Sign up today, support the show, and keep it sick and wrong. But don't you ever think... Diego, thanks for being on the show, man. I uh, hope I'm not interrupting any last-minute Christmas shopping. No, no, no? I'm, I'm pretty broke this year. I'm not going to buy anybody anything, so <laughs> it, it worked out pretty simple for me. That's, that's the way I go pretty much every year, although I, I'm not a, I don't, I don't go, you know, I don't usually celebrate Christmas, so it's not that big of a deal, but no one expects anything, you know? So I think it's, so yeah. if, if I do get them a gift, they're all like really surprised. Um, I really enjoy buying people gifts, like when you see it and it reminds you of them and you're like, oh, that's the perfect thing, but for no occasion, you know, like I hate yeah. the, oh, it's Christmas, everybody buy each other a gift. Where you're like forced to buy someone. Plus, like you know, it, it it sucks too to go shopping around this time. I I kind of like uh, I, I kind of like that. Like, just if you see something that's cool, like I'll just buy this for you anytime. Doesn't matter. So, uh, Diego, um, how long have you been fighting professionally? Um, shit, really bad with dates, but I know I've been training for close to twenty years. Wow, twenty years! You've been doing it for a while. Yeah. And what yeah. what inspired you to become a fighter? Oh, the movie, uh, The Smashing Machine. I went to see it at my brother's house on a Friday, and Monday morning I was at a gym signing up. <laughs> the next day, what, The Smashing Machine, when did that come out? Is it like an 80s again, movie? I'm really bad. 90s uh, no, it's, it's maybe late 90s, early 2000s, probably early 2000s. Who's in it? It's like a rock or something? Uh, it's a documentary about Mark Kerr, and he fought, oh. he fought, he fought in Pride. Okay, you know what? This does sound familiar. I might have seen yeah. that. So you check that out. You're like, you know what? I want to do this. Um, did you did you fight a lot like as a kid? Not well. <laughs> <laughs> so is that kind of when you when you learn like I don't care about being punched in the face? Um, 
Yeah, I, I broke my leg once and I was walking on it for three days before I went to the doctor because my, my coach called me a pussy. He said, there's no way it was broke. There's no way it's broken. And it just kept getting more and more swollen. And my wife at the time was like, oh, I, I really think you should go to the doctor. And I went, I got an x-ray instantly. The doctor was like, yeah, it's fucking broken. And I was like, oh, maybe I'm not wired like everybody else. <laughs> so wait, so you're just saying maybe you just don't feel pain as much as everyone else? I, I don't think I interpret it the same as everybody else. It's probably a good characteristic of a fighter, if you think about it. For a fighter, um, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's kind of the same thing. Like, I remember, like, I, you know, I, I started skateboarding and I was just like, you know, I really don't like breaking bones. I'm, I'm not going to be good at this. You know, whereas, like, you're like, hey, I don't mind being punched in the face. You know, I'm, I'm going to get into fighting. So when you first got into it, were you doing, like, MMA, like mixed martial arts? Uh, well, the first thing I did was nogi jujitsu. I um, I wrestled in high school, but I really sucked in high school. I, I was raised by a single mom. I had never really tried out for a sport. I didn't have any like competitive nature. I didn't understand what it took to be a winner. Um, but I did learn some basic, you know, ground stuff just from the world of wrestling. Like I remember I got into a street fight and I shot a double leg takedown and I was on top. And I, I didn't know what to do, but I was like, oh shit, you know, like this kind of works. Are nope. normal people. <laughs> you didn't just go into the ground and pound mode. Yeah, you know, it's a, typically you see that. So, um, you uh, you started into MMA, started doing jujitsu, and then when did you go to like I'm like fighting like like fighting in a ring? Like, who did you fight for? Like Bellator? You know? Um, no, my UFC my first fight was for a, a local a local um, MMA show called Total Combat. And they promoted a lot in Southern California. Um, at one point, uh, they were being considered to be purchased by SUFA. So, like when they bought the the um, the WEC, if so, like if you have, you know if anybody remembers that, they bought the WEC. They were looking for like a feeder program, and one of the shows they looked at was Total Combat, which had a great um, matchmaker who later became my coach, Eric Dofiero. He's the coach of um, Dominic Cruz. Phil Davis, um, he's coached Alex Gustafson, like just a great array of talent in that gym. Yeah. So what was your uh, record in the MMA? In the MMA uh, pro, I think on show dogs, like seven and one. But um, I did some like underground fights that I never saw show up on show dogs. So I was in California uh, do an MMA before Arnold was the, you know, the government, uh, <laughs> he's uh, legalized MMA for everybody. And, uh, so before that we would have to go to Indian reservations in California or to, uh, TJ, which in San Diego was right across the border for us. Um, but I did do some fights, uh, that weren't on, um, Indian right. reservations that were really like low key, uh, underground shit, you know? So, so what, all together, I would say, like, I think I was like twelve and one. Damn. So you when know, you, when you're for talking, MMA, when you're talking low key, what do you mean, like in like uh, like in the basement, like we're surrounded by like bales of hay? Uh, not of hay. Like we, I've seen that like in the UK a lot and stuff where they do like bare knuckle stuff underground yeah, yeah. with the hay. Like, but uh, at MMA gyms, like behind closed doors and stuff, and uh, like some fights, the were billed as amateur. Like the first thing I, I think I did was pancreation, you know, so I don't consider that MMA, but I was already like doing a lot of pancreation stuff. And I think a lot of people saw me. I, I, 
if I'm correct, God, my memory's so tall. I think I have like a state championship in pancreation. Um, I'll have to double check. Yeah, I think I won that. Um, but from there, like a lot of people saw me and, and I got to know a lot of people because I had great coaches. Uh, I was training with Brandon Bear at the time. And um, they would call me to do like amateur shows. This was before Camo existed and they didn't really have like rules for amateur shows. So I would go there and they would say it was an amateur fight. And last minute they'd be like, you know, if you want to throw an elbow, it's okay. We're not going to. So, <laughs> and, and, and then I would like put on a show and then they would actually like give me some money, like not a lot. But I was like, oh, shit, like, this isn't fucking, you know, amateur, you know, like this is a fight. You know, so like, you, you got a, a an actual ref there, though. It's not just like, yeah, you know, uh, yeah, no, it, 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 I'm not I'm not talking like. Like blood uh, lion heart in, in yeah. the empty pool. Yeah. Where, like just, you know, people are watching you with a gun and if you try to escape, you know, one, only one, you know, two men into one man leaves. Nah, nah. It was it was like MMA. It was just like really low key. It was illegal. Uh, like I said, it was really hard to get something sanctioned unless it was on an yeah. Indian casino um, or a, reser- a reservation or TJ. So this were like, you know, like just an unsanctioned smokers fight. Yeah. Right. So, but But like I said, a lot of them would be like, go ahead, throw an elbow and shit, you know? And, and I <laughs> would always leave with some money. So I'm like, well, I don't really feel like I'm an amateur. Yeah, it's like, I mean, why not? Still counts. It's kind of like, uh, yeah. do you ever see those fights with, uh, what's that guy's name? Kimbo Slice? Remember? Oh, of course. And, yeah, and he'd be like yeah. in the, someone's backyard just beating the fuck out yeah. of somebody. <laughs> yeah. That's what I think. Yeah, I did some amateur ones. I mean, I did shit like that too with the homies, but I don't put that on my record. You know, like uh, <laughs> I love Hicks and Gracie, but he's like, oh, 400 street fights undefeated. I'm like, mm, I think a yeah. lot of those were maybe uh, at the gym, you know. But... <laughs> so I read I that. Wanna, I don't want to get on the Gracie bad side. I read that like a detached retina ended your your career. How, how did that work? Did someone just did you get hit too hard in the eye and your your eyeball fell out? Like how how that work? What happened? <laughs> it didn't exactly fall out though, no, but uh, it happened uh, in training, and oh. it I I never told the person who did it. I know who it was. It was a, a UFC fighter, and um, they threw an uppercut. And I remember just seeing the uppercut, like, right, and I was like, oh, shit. And it went, like, right into my eyeball. And uh, my eye went white, and it was, like, white for, like, a couple hours. I kind of knew something was wrong. And uh, I called the doctor, and I explained my symptoms later. And they were like, oh, yeah, like, you need to come in. So it happened very quickly. And uh, I was very lucky that the doctor said he could, you know, fix it because it's not always fixable. So you can still see out of the eye everything? Very poorly. Oh, okay. very poorly. I, I'm, I'm legally blind in my in my right eye. Um, I can see shapes and it does help me have some depth of perception where if I had zero eye, my depth of perception would be off more. Um, but I have a second problem where it's um, from one of my uh, BKFC fights. I broke the orbital Ooh, and it crushed large. one of the nerves that controls the pupil. So the pupil controls how much eye goes into the light, goes into the eye. So it doesn't contract anymore it's stuck open so my eye my right eye is also super light sensitive so like sometimes people see me wearing like sunglasses that are just to cover like one eye and i think people think it's like a fashion shit but it's like really like <laughs> like no i need this yeah exactly because if i wear regular shades then i cover my one good eye and then i feel like i lose too much visibility so i'm assuming most people when they you know break their orbital arch and the, the, the detached retina would be like you know what i think i'm gonna retire 
from uh, f- from fighting, but you moved on to an even more violent form of fighting, bare knuckle <laughs> boxing. So how did that happen? <laughs> um, I saw the first show. Like I was when I was retired, I tried I tried to come back to MMA, um, and everybody knew that I retired because my eyes were so bad. But yeah. honestly, what kept me from coming back to MMA was my knees. I've torn my MCLs multiple times. Like I have two spaghetti noodles for MCLs and sometimes they just pop out of place. So I would try to come back, get in shape for an MMA fight. And then they would always like during camp, they would like slip and and set me back. But when I do boxing, I never have a knee problem or I haven't had a knee problem. Shit. Knock on wood. I don't want to jinx it. (laughs) That's because people aren't, I mean, they, I mean, it's those kicks did you see like right to the knee, right to the shin and things like that? It just seems so powerful. It's got to like have, take its toll on the body, you know, over time. Yeah, that shit doesn't help. But like, honestly, most of my knee injuries came from wrestling. Oh, okay. Yeah. Back in the yeah, day. Yeah. Takedowns. Yeah. Fucking takedowns. Yeah. Oh, so, so you got into bare knuckle boxing and you just kind of found, so that's like, you're in a ring. Just, it's just fist, fisticuffs basically. Right. Mm-hmm. And how do yeah. you win? Just you knock somebody out? No, the points? rules are just like boxing, except the rounds are shorter and you can work in the clinch. Where in boxing, you know, this considered dirty boxing and you're not allowed to do that. You can do that in bare knuckle boxing, which I think is amazing. And um, I really think it's a sport that's set up or um, catered to older MMA fighters. Because a lot of them, like I said, they have joint problems, you know, like knee injuries, you know, all these shoulder injuries that really get aggravated when you do grappling. But when you do just hand striking, it's it seems like everybody can still do that, you know, after an MMA career. Obviously, some people had some brain injuries, and that's not maybe the yeah, best yeah. thing. But without the gloves, it's it's a lot less um, damaging. I think the the glove boxing is is way worse for your brain, actually. Even with the padding, it's just uh, just. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the gloves were designed um, so they could keep tra- uh, champions longer. They're not there to protect your head. They're, hmm. They protect your hands. Because what happens was when you do bare knuckle boxing, you break your hands. Break so if you have an, an amazing champion, like, wow, this guy's a fucking killer, but you're fighting him all the time, he would break his hands. And it would limit how long somebody could have a career. That's another reason why I think it's better for older fighters. If you have amazing hands, you shouldn't start with BKFC. You should go do some other sports first and then break your hands at BKFC when you're on your way out already. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. if you, when you put the gloves on, it allows you to hit somebody's skull so much harder. And you're not so even feeling the becomes, pain. Like you're not feeling the pain in your hand at that point. You're not damaging your own hand. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's you all wrapped up and you got the cushion so you can punch somebody in the skull and not break your hand, which allows you to hit somebody in the head much harder. Plus, you have the added weight of the glove, which adds to the impact of, of the head. So, yeah, it's, it's actually more dangerous for sure. I never even thought about it that way. So is yeah. that where did you earn the nickname Dos Pistolas in bare knuckle boxing? No, no, I got that in MMA. I, I did a Bellator fight with uh, Syed Awad, who was a like top ten Bellator uh, lightweight for a really long time. Moved up to one seventy. He beat uh, Cyborg. If anybody knows who shoots yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. one hundred and seventy pounder, he was a murderer. Uh, he was married to the other Cyborg for a while, 
Um, I used to train with both of them in San Diego. But Syed Awad is like, in my opinion, like a really underrated fighter. He's really great. And uh, they call him the assassin or some shit like that. I don't know. I was really, I took that fight like after, like Bellator tried to give me three fights in a row and they all fell through really close together. And I kept making weight. So by the time I got to, oh, to the Sayedo fight, I had, I had made weight like almost three times in a row really close together. And my trainer was like, look, he goes, don't like, don't even train. You're in your, your peak so hard for so long, like just go home. And I came into that fight, like two weeks off the couch, kind of oh. really out of shape and, and really burnt out. And, um, it, he probably was like really beating the shit. He was beating the shit out of me really, really bad. And like, almost like he got tired of beating the shit out of me <laughs> and mentally cracked. Like went fuck, dude. This guy's not and not you going could down. See him, you're like Jesus Christ, he's not gonna go down. And so eventually, I turned it around. And then when I fucking dropped him, I I went like 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 that. Oh, you did like oh, then, okay, like the like two guns, like two pistols. Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah. And then when I was a couple of weeks later, I was watching the fight in Mexico with my uh, my tia Lupe. And she's like, in Spanish, she's like, I'm watching gone con sus dos pistolas. Like, uh, you're so badass with your two little guts, you know? So that's where I got the nickname. That's a great nickname. So, um, thank you. I watched one of your fights on YouTube. I can't remember who the guy was, but dude, your face was like, half of it was just bloody and swollen. So I was like, how long does it take to recover after one of these fights? You know what? That's where, um, some of my Wolverine powers come out. I know exactly which fight you were talking about. And it was, dude, it was um, bare knuckle. I mean, you guys beat yeah. the shit out of each other. Well, what happened is they stopped the fight because they thought my jaw was broken. I forget the scientific name for it. And I doubt you can see it is that I have a super sharp bony edge on the inside right here. The doctors say after years of, of chewing the the jaw kind of comes out like this, it's calcium deposits and they're really sharp. So sometimes when I get punched, it cuts my cheek from the inside. It's happened before to me. Oh. It's too high to get covered by a mouthpiece. So that, that doesn't work. And it has happened to me before, but this was the worst time ever. So it cuts the cheek and it starts filling up with blood, right? So my face was like, it looked like the elephant, man, because it was all yeah, internal it, swelling. And they go, your jaw's broken. I go, it's not broken. It's not broken. Please don't stop the fight. But they... They were just like, fuck, dude, it's bare knuckle boxing. It's on TV. It's like, we can't have your face explode. You know, so they stopped the fight. I was like really bummed out because I thought I was really, he was getting the better of me, but like I could see it's the same thing. Like he just starts cracking, like mentally. People mentally crack from not killing me. I was about to say, like, I would be like, I'm going to kill this guy. I don't want to do that. He he dropped me and I kept getting up. And every time I was like, matter and matter. You know, and it's like, I can't, like, if you watch the fight, you see, I'm like, fuck, when they stop it, I'm like, I'm going to murder you. You know, and you could see as a fighter, you can recognize little fucking things in people's eyes. And I could, I just, I knew he was like, fuck, dude, like <laughs> I could see it, you know? So I was really disappointed that they stopped that fight. But um, to answer your question, um, I do like fasting and fasting can heat up, uh, heat, like really speed up the, the healing, healing process. process. Um, I think I fasted for three days after that fight. And in seven days, I looked absolutely normal. Like all my friends that have are in MMA and had tough wars were like, holy shit, dude, like you can't even tell. 
other than I had stitches, they had to be removed. Like I had a bunch of stitches. But your face. But other than re- that, look. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you just returned to normal. Wow, it's it's fascinating. Human days. body. Yeah. You know, it's it, that's amazing. I never, I never knew fasting could uh to this could aid that process. Um. So you're talking about the ring. So you're in the ring, and you can you can tell like there's certain signs that hey, this guy might be losing it, or this guy, you know, now you're going to take advantage of this this particular opportunity. How much of it is just strategy versus go fucking crazy and beat the shit out of someone? Uh, well, I mean, strategy's a lot. You know, I just have never been a very technical fighter. Like my strategy is. A- I know what I'm good at. I'm only good at one thing. So I'm not like a world champion and shit, but I'm a tough fucking guy and I'll give anybody, but anybody my size, I'll give you problems. I don't care who you are. And my strategy is I'm a pressure fighter. So I, I always walk forward and a lot of people crack like that, man. A lot of people in the gym, even that are supposed to be better than me. Sometimes like I see them, you know, like we spar and then I just never take a step back. And eventually like, you know, sometimes I start getting the better of them and I'm talking about, more skilled fighters, you know? Hmm. So it's, it's not the best for bare knuckle because in bare knuckle, you get cut up so much faster. I think I would do it maybe a lot better if I had started boxing with gloves earlier on, like that probably honestly for my skill set. if I would have just started really young with the boxing, I I probably would have been my best thing because I I can take a beating and, you know, crack a lot of people. Um, was it, who was it? Was it Mike Tyson that said, everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the face? Was it, was yeah. it Mike Tyson said that? <laughs> yeah, but I'm very fortunate. Like, I don't think you can teach this to anybody. I'm very fortunate in the aspect that when you punch me in the face, like my instant plan is I'm going to fuck you up. Like, you can yeah. see it. Like, you know, like you hit me and I just get angrier or and like more savage and shit. Like where a lot of people, when they do get hit a lot, you know, they start fucking mentally taking a step back. And as a fighter, I, like I said, I think everybody, if you have any kind of a fight IQ, you can recognize those moments in, in, in the in the fight where I see you make a face and I go, oh shit, you're already thinking about quitting, you know? Hey, you're and sometimes I've thoughts. seen it on, you, sometimes you could see it at the weigh-ins. Like there's fights for sure I know I've won at the weigh-ins where you, you could, see somebody, you look at them in the eye and you're like, fuck, you're scared. You could just tell, like, like they don't have the nerve, like right at yeah. the weigh-in. You know, you always see that yeah. with these guys. Like some of them, I always find it funny when you get the guy that's like being all macho and gesturing and pushing the dude, and then he just gets a shit kicked out of him in the first round. You know, you see that every now and then. Yeah. It's just like, okay, you're acting like a dick where you got what, you know, what was coming to you. Yeah. And I think all that shit got real popular with like Conor McGregor, but I've never been like that. It's like, I'm super calm. But as soon as we do the stare down, it's like, oh shit. Like I'm telepathically telling you, I'm going to fucking murder you. You know, like my job is to kill you it's the referee's job to stop it before that happens. And you can like psychologically just tell right there. That's like, you're yeah. Like I could, I could see it. I I've seen the people that the people at the, at the weigh-ins that cracked mentally, I could see it there. And I, and I can verify that it did happen at the fight. You know, it doesn't happen all the time. There's a lot of tough guys. Like Syed was tough. I didn't for sure. I didn't like crack them at the weigh-ins or anything, you know? So what's the most brutal KO that you've ever inflicted on somebody? Like where you actually were like, holy shit, like, is this guy okay? Um, even my very first fight, like I was a jujitsu guy. I did. I had very little stand up training, and a lot of people were like, oh shit. Like I was tell people at the gym, like yeah, I got a fight. I got a pro fight, and people would be like, 
like I heard they'd be like behind my back, like, dude, can you throw a punch? You know, like um, I figured out like I do have like a, a lot of like natural knockout power because I just fucking you know I swarm and and you know like I'm just like a punches and bunches and I pressure pressure pressure. But on that first fight, I hit the kid and he was completely like dead unconscious. Just like uh, he was like for a really long time in the ambulance. They were trying to wake him up. And I remember his mom was crying because I guess his mom was his uh, manager and she was yelling at the promoter because I, re- I remember like walking by the ambulance and I heard her say, you said he was, you set us up, you set us up. You said he was just a jujitsu guy. You said he was a jujitsu guy, you know? And, and the, the, the guy was like, fuck dude, I didn't know. And the kid was just like, oh, I know for a couple hours in, in the ambulance before he was able to get up. Whoa! And did you ever hear back? Yeah. Like, you, did someone ever tell you no? He he lived. He's not brain damaged, or you just like- yeah. I mean, I, I I always like you know look at people's records, and he had a couple more fights after that. But you know, he called it quits after that for pretty pretty soon after that. So I'm sure he was fine. Um, I like sometimes I don't know my power, and like if I ever spar, I like sparring with people that are like just students, not not like pros, because I let them play a lot. You know, because I don't, I'm not scared of getting hit. So like, they like to fight with me a lot of times because they know that like I'll put a little pressure, but I'm not trying to hurt them. But what happens is like sometimes I do hurt them by accident, and that's because yeah. I don't know my strength. And I just be like, and they're like, oh shit, and I'm like, oh fuck. You just landed like, a I, punch. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I've, I've definitely on two occasions broken somebody's ribs. Oh. You know, over the years, over the years, and and multiple times I just accidentally like flash knocked somebody out or dropped them. In, in, in the gym sparring. Well, I mean, that must happen every now and then, you know, break a rib. It happens for sure, especially yeah. like, well, the ribs don't happen that often with the big gloves, but um, for sure, like flash knockouts or knockouts do happen if you spar in um, Alliance MMA, where I used to train for most of my uh, MMA fights, you know, throughout my career. We trained really hard. Like, like I think people are getting smarter now, but that was like many moons ago. And back then we were like kind of shoot box where, Every time we sparred, we were trying to knock each other out. We just thought that iron sharpens iron. And there was even a time where, like, my coach would have this, you know, if you knock somebody out at the gym, he would buy you lunch because he wants us trying that hard, you know? It's like Cobra Kai. Yeah, I I fought um, Jens Pulver and I beat him. You know, he was, if anybody, that's old school, but if anybody recalls, he was a UFC uh, lightweight champion. And uh, he beat DJ Penn. Uh, he was a great fighter. Um, I did catch him on the tail end of his career, but training for that fight, I do remember like knocking out several partners and it wasn't like students. Those are like pros. You yeah, know? Like, those are professional yeah. MMA fighters. Wow. So what's the worst time you've ever been knocked out? Do you remember that? Uh, yes, I do remember that. Uh, the only time I've been knocked out completely unconscious where I didn't remember anything was in a car. <laughs> so I was, uh, I was, it was my fault. I was, not going to lie, this was very young, and I think I was like probably drinking and driving. I'm sorry. And yeah. uh, I'm legally blind. All, like even before fighting, like I've always had real shitty vision in this eye as well. Um, and I hit a, 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 um, a dip going I don't know how fast in a car with no seatbelt. And I went bah! like that. Like I hit the, the roof of the car and I was completely fucking passed out. And then I woke Still up. Still the wheel. And I, and I was inside a car dealership. Like I had fucking jumped a fence and gone through shit and I was inside the car dealership in my car and I just woke up. I was like, oh shit, like 
I don't know if I should be saying this, but but I just like just shift it to reverse, get the fuck out. Yeah, yeah. And that's the only time I've ever been like completely knocked out of conscious. I've had humans put me down, but I'm like a weevil wobble. Like I, I haven't had one knockdown where I've ever been on the ground and I didn't instantly get up. Wow. Yeah. Um, so do you earn more bare knuckle boxing than you did in the MMA? Yes, it was paying really good at first. Um, I don't know if it's still paying that good. Uh, one of the problems I didn't go back, one of the reasons I didn't go back was because um, after that match where they stopped it because of my jaw, uh, I, was, I made like $12,000 for that fight. And then they offered me another fight for 6000 And I was like, fuck you guys. Like, I'm not doing this for fucking yeah, to, you know, crumbs to. anymore. It, I've never put on a boring fight, like win or lose in my entire life. So I just, I felt like I was way worth more than that. And as much as I wanted to continue fighting, it just, it wasn't right. So you're, so you're done fighting at this point. I wouldn't say that, dude. I was just like, uh, I would really love to do a boxing match before I retire. Um, so shout out if anybody listening has any ideas or anything, you can get a hold of me through Instagram, but um <laughs> Send me an email. Don't fucking ever DM me if you if it's anything business related. Uh, my email's right there. I do want to do a fight, you know, before I retire. Uh, God, I would love to do MMA, but like I said, my knees are so shitty. I feel like um, yeah, yeah, yeah. boxing's like the only thing I could really put in a hard camp for. Um, so I wouldn't say I'm retired, but I mean, pretty close to it. But I, I, I would really like to do yeah, one. Never more. say never. So yeah. what sets you apart? from the typical MMA fighter is that you're also into drag. And uh, I read that your drag name is Lola Pistola. Yeah. That's awesome. So how long, when did you get into drag? Like, were you doing it the whole time you were fighting? No, I I did an emotional intelligence class after I retired from MMA the first time. And then I, before I came back to do BKFC and um, it was a, like a huge learning experience for me. And it was an exercise that I did in uh, vulnerability and just like trying something that's uncomfortable that out of your comfort zone and, you know, out of the box for you. And I, I have always been an artist of some sort, you know, like when I retired from MMA though, like I did concentrate on um, selling paintings and that's kind of what I do now. Um, I also tattoo, you know, but I try to like focus um my career on fine arts as much as possible but you know it's really hard to pay the bills like that so sometimes i pick up the slack by uh tattooing and um the drag thing it was just like an opportunity for me as an artist to try something new and it just had like a real positive effect on people and i was doing it like i said as a challenge to myself um but i wasn't expecting this a lot of people reached out and it helped them in a very positive way uh, like I said, that I wasn't expecting. So to see it have such a pos- positive impact on people made me want to continue to do it, you know? Yeah, and totally. uh, yeah. So is there is there a big scene, like a drag scene in San Diego? Uh, yeah, I live in, no, not really. I mean, it, there's a scene, or but a it's scene, not, yeah. I, w- I wouldn't say it's huge, but I live in LA now. So there is yeah. a huge drag scene here. Yeah, LA's got a massive drag scene. Um, yeah. So how often do you perform? Um, usually like only three or four times a year, you know, um, it costs me money. You know, I'm, I am like a starving artist. Like, you know, like I live a very, um, what do I, what do you call it? Um, I live a very 
modest like lifestyle sense, yeah. so I don't ever have to go to work in a nine to five. So whatever little money I, I make, I, I really make it stretch out. And for me to do drag, it costs me money. So it's not something that I can do all the time. You know, if you talk to people that do it all the time and very few, it's like fighting. Only like the top 1% are going to ever make money doing drag. It's usually a passion and they work all week at their nine to five bullshit job so they could buy some new outfit, some new makeup, and they get to go out there and perform and they love it because they're in front of a crowd and like who wouldn't want to, you know, that's, you know, it's such a cool way to entertain and, and to be yourself. Um, but yeah, but for me, cheap. like I said, I, I don't make money doing drag. So it's like, it's really uh, hard for me to do it more often than that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't imagine it's, uh, you know, a, a cheap hobby. I mean, you got to buy the makeup, the dress, the, the outfit, and, yeah. you know, everything. So. Plus, I'm a real prima donna, and I hate you. Like, I, I refuse to do the same outfit twice or anything like that. It's just like, <laughs> you got to switch it up. <laughs> yeah, on top of everything else, I'm like, I'm not wearing that twice. So are there any similarities between drag performing and MMA, in your opinion? Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I've talked about this a lot, but uh, my first time doing a performance was uh, in a competition. I didn't know. I thought it was just like an open mic. And I showed up and we're all like getting ready in a broom closet pretty much. And when you start fighting, you usually start at smaller venues with smaller warm-up rooms. And anybody who's come through the ranks fighting knows that at some point you probably had to warm up right next to one of your the opponents. Same room. <laughs> yeah, for wow. sure. If you fight at a small show, a hundred percent, you've had that experience where you've been just yards, a yard or two away from the dude that's that you're going to fight as you're, you know, warming up. Um, when you go through the ranks, you get big fucking rooms, and all this happens, you know. But like I said, it had that feeling of me being in the room with my competition and you're like yeah. thinking, Oh shit, can I beat them? Sizing them up, you know? It, it sounds so. like you got that competitive nature too. So it's like, uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> so what's more difficult to master high heels or like a spinning back fist? <laughs> um, they're both pretty tough. I mean, um, <laughs> drag can be very painful as well. I mean, you know, um, if you have a partner out there that wears high heels for you, you take time to appreciate them and makeup yeah, because it do. is horrendous. Like drag is way more exaggerated than your average makeup, but like it's so caked on and just taking it off. Uh, and from people don't understand this, but like for me to do drag, it's like I have almost 20 years of MMA on my feet. You know what I'm saying? To, to fucking sandwich them into these high ballerina <laughs> heels and shit, like just like tippy toe. And it, when I'm done, it feels like my feet are going to bleed, you know? And like some bitch on Instagram was like, oh my God, you need new dance moves. And I was like, I'm fucking 43 and I'm 200 pounds. Like, it's amazing that I'm even out here doing this shit. Like, what's your problem? You know, like, yeah, I'm like, not trying to win RuPaul's Drag Race. I'm just trying to be like, hey, look, I'm fucking... The I can dress up like a chick if I want. I don't give a fuck, you know? I mean, the fact that you're even able to do it, I mean, that, that impresses me. So, Thank you. That's what I'm saying. What type of reaction do you get when you tell fighters that you're into drag? Like, or do you, or are you open about it? Yeah, I mean, I think almost everybody that knows me now has seen me do it. But, you know, all my friends, they knew me from so way back. They're like, if anybody was going to do it, it would be Diego. Yeah. So like no nobody close to me. And like I think the people that have any issue, nobody has said anything to me. 
like I'm saying, I'm not a world-class fighter, but fuck, dude, I'll give anybody problems. I don't think anybody <laughs> wants to just be like, you know, like I have that privilege where like uh, if a trans person actually just goes outside, they, they're in danger of losing their life because people are yeah, so yeah. fucking aggressive and negative, you know, unfortunately. And uh, like I get to do whatever the fuck I want. I go out and I'm not really scared, you know, and it's very rare somebody has ever said anything negative to me. It's usually people online. Because you know how easy it is for people to hide yeah, behind the keyboard. It to your face. So you've never yeah. had to like you never got in a fight like in full drag and just beat the fuck out of someone wearing a wearing a dress a wig. No, I never had to. <laughs> yeah, not yet. Yeah, I imagine that that must happen every now and then because you know I've I've seen some drag queens that are quite intimidating. You know. Yeah, it depends. You know, like everybody has different things they're scared of, but I think when they see me. Like, I don't look like your average fucking drag queen and shit. My back is like, I can't even fit into, like, it's hard for me to find clothes to fit in. My back is like this fucking wide. My <laughs> neck is this, you know, I'm like covered in tattoos. People are like, oh, fucking, uh, probably not going to fucking, I'll yeah. pick a different person for a hate crime, yeah. you know? <laughs> it's like, I'm not going to say it to his face. I'm just going to go on Facebook. Um, exactly. All right. Well, Diego, um, can I plug anything, a website or your social, like your Instagram? Yes, please, please. Um, uh, I hate it, but unfortunately, 100% of my income right now does come from Instagram. Um, my regular Instagram is Diego Garijo. Just add Diego Garijo, one word. That's my name. Um, G-A-R-I-J-O. Um, I do sell paintings uh, that anybody can purchase. Uh, if you just email me, don't send me a DM because I don't fucking check my DMs because it's mostly people sending me dick pics all the time. Because <laughs> the drag thing does put you in a weird state, yeah, you know, where it's like, say. you know, well, I don't get enough. Do I don't people, get so many women slipping into the DMs as, as I do dick pics, apparently. But I um, imagine when people see you doing drag, do people think that you're gay or do they assume like, you know, you might be bi or something? I think... Um, straight cis males like 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 cis hetero males i think that more commonly than other people i think uh other peoples and younger people especially realize that uh clothes don't have a gender it doesn't mean exactly. anything exactly you know, that's that's yeah that's, and that's kind of like one of the things i'm trying to promote is just like i just want everybody to be themselves and mind your fucking business just respect other people you don't have to fucking have them over for dinner but you don't have to be an asshole about it you know that, that's um, my at attitude. the end of the day that's yeah as just an artist that's my message you know, don't be a dick um, you don't need yeah that. and i yeah you know if i'm a big fucking burly dude that knocks people out and i can put on a dress and be fucking cool about it anybody can be cool about it you know yeah, for real all right, I will definitely put up a, uh, a, a link to your link. Instagram page for uh, sure. Real quick, I uh, just want to say when uh, paintings get slow, if you want a real fucking weird, unique tattoo, uh, I also do tattoos. What, and, what shop uh, do you work out of? Uh, I have a private studio. Oh, okay. I, just, uh, I, I don't do like traditional tattooing. I do freehand stuff. So like you come in and I fucking draw something on your body and then I tattoo it on. So it's like custom to like your body and whatever you want. But I don't do, I don't, I, I don't, I don't do like really dark shit, like skulls, uh, like clowns killing babies, like really weird shit. Like if you're into like really fucking dark uh, shit, then I'm your guy. Like if you want to get like a, a butterfly, like definitely don't come to me. Um, <laughs> right now, my Instagram name is uh, let's add more black. Nice. All right. Yeah, well, because I like the big, bold black tattoos. Well, people, you can get uh, you can get tattooed. Black. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan of the black tattoos as well. So um, yeah, you. you get tattooed or you get a get a get a custom piece of artwork as well. Thank you, Diego. It's been great chatting with you, man. And 
I hope you have a happy new year. Thank you. I wish you the same. I had a great time and thank you for having me on. I always hate when I have a guest on and then an hour after the interview, I'm like, why didn't I ask this question? I totally should have asked him if he dresses in full drag at the weigh-in to psych out his opponent. Oh, is that the question you'd have asked? I'd have asked him about donkey shows in Tijuana. You know, that that's another good question that uh, we could have asked him. Because, I mean, obviously he has done like, you know, he knows Tijuana pretty well. I'd um, also uh, like to have asked him... Um... Obviously, I wasn't at this interview, but about Alex Reed, because I know you won't be as aware as Alex Reed as people in the UK are. But Alex Reed was um, like, yeah, an MMA fighter. He was a boxer and he was uh, married to Katie Piper slash Jordan, who's like a tabloid queen out here. She was a page three model. But he is also a transsexual. And I think he's I think his transsexual alter ego is called Roxanne. Roxanne and it was like huge news the tabloids ate that up when that came out in like 2014 well, 2015 this guy's not a transsexual this guy just no neither is Alex Reed oh, is he, okay so you say he was transsexual but he's a cross-dresser yeah he's a tranny all right so he's a he's a okay he cross-dresses but he's not like identifying as a woman no 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 he's still okay. a man but he likes to be in touch with his feminine side yeah that's what that's what this guy is like super into drag and he went, and yeah. he, he was like, and I go all out. Like I'm like, I want the best outfits and nails. We were talking about this, but that's what I was saying is like, when you go to the weigh-ins, aren't you trying to stare down your opponent to inspire fear, intimidate them? If he was dressed in full drag, then the person would be, you know, intimidated. Not because it's like, well, one, the guy's wearing, you know, makeup and this is weird, but two, you're going to get beaten by a girl, a guy who dresses up as a girl, which I imagine freaks people out like i imagine these guys you know that are especially biased you know or have prejudices are going to be a little freaked out by that all the the best drag queens especially like if you know in like the warhol days they they would fucking beat you they would have knives and shit like zig zig sputnik would have beat the shit out of you and that's how it should be drag queens should be allowed to beat the shit out of anyone they want well that's the thing with this guy even in a dress he's going to beat the fuck out of you out of you. So. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. <laughs> anyway, go check out, go do a search for Diego Gajira on uh, YouTube and check out some of these bare knuckle fights that it's um, like his, his whole face was rearranged. I mean, they're hitting yeah, each other brutal. so hard. It's it's brutal. Um, people, this episode 876 here is sick and wrong. We've got some phone calls coming up next, 323-522-4032, or you can email us, sickandwrongpodcast at gmail.com. But first, here's a brief message from Adam and Eve. Hey guys, it's me, Stephen. I'm a huge fan of your show. Thanks to your awesome coupon code, Diddle, I can buy myself loads of good sex toys. Since both of my wives died, and my Luke Eric's disease got pretty bad. Let's just say things in the bedroom got pretty boring. But thanks to adamandeve.com and coupon code diddle, D-I-D-D-L-E. I'm now 
new man. Thanks. It's okay, Rambo. We got a couple phone calls to get to here. Uh, the first one came in from Tim. Uh, Tim must nice. have listened to the uh, second show where we had Steel on a couple weeks ago, and we were going into detail about the uh, the legendary small penis contest that we had in Bay City, Michigan. And uh, Tim finds it a bit curious. Has some questions. Okay. About it. Hey, Dean Kate, it's Tim calling in. I got a question uh, or comment. I don't even know. Like, I listened to the last Patreon episode with Steel and the penis party. Um, Like, (laughs) so our small penis context, excuse me, I guess penis party would be a different... (laughs) Penis party. (laughs) We never referred to it as that, but... uh, No, it's a contest. It's a small penis contest. Yeah, although I'm sure Steel would be down thing is this i'm curious for the other people out there do other regions do this i can't say i've ever felt the urge need or heard other male friends going hey let's see who's got the shortest stub in the room (laughs) um but then also begs question do is there right i mean you guys touched on the like meaty vagina contest or whatever do ladies do something like this I don't even know. Well, okay. Women can have a wet t-shirt contest. I've seen that before. Yeah, that's true. But usually it's because they're showing off their cracking set of tits. Yeah, They're not exactly, exactly showing off their shitty set of tits. Yeah. Not that I'm saying having a small penis is shitty because it happens. But Tim is revealing to the world that he is uh, not from a small town because I'm from a small town as well. I think... Uh, Penrith is about the same. It's not as big as Bay City, um, but it's about the same size as Essexville. And I definitely, if the small the small penis contest would have been a thing there, definitely for sure. Well, I mean, weird things happen in small towns. You're bored in these small towns, exactly. so you have to like, you know, create things to uh, to pass the time. You know, yeah. Oftentimes, it's it's usually involving a lot of drugs and and alcohol. At least that's what we did. But these small, you know, small penis contests were definitely a, you know, a form of amusement. Um, he's got a couple more, couple more seconds here. Did I miss something? Did I not miss <laughs> something? Is there something wrong with Michigan? I yes. don't know. Anyway, keep it sick. Bye. Yes, Tim, there is a lot wrong with Michigan, especially oh, yeah, fucking Essexville, Michigan. So. I went to high school, and Steel went to high school in Essexville, which is a suburb of Bay City. So it's like Bay City is a small shithole town. Essexville is a suburb of the small shithole town. So it's just like small community. And it's fucking weird. You know, at the time, I remember at the time, you know, we'd be, you know, want to hang out with the popular kids, and we'd be at like Steel's parties, like at Bud's Car Wash when he owned the car wash for that summer. And he had these big parties, and, you know, we were like 16, so it's like, yeah, small penis contest. We'll hang out with like the popular kids and and do this. And there's like chicks measuring your dicks. Sure, like we thought it was cool. I didn't even think it was weird at all until I got to college, and then started telling people about it. And they're like, "You guys would measure your dicks, but not even for like who's got the biggest dick, like the inverse of that, like who has the smallest dick." Like, yeah, because it's, it's funny. It, well, the typical reaction was that's weird and kind of gay. 
It is kind of gay, but I do think it's really funny. Like, it, yeah, nobody cares if you've got a big dick. We want to see the tiniest pecker that we can tonight and who's got it. Because one of you is packing a tiny pickle. Well, it was funny because I remember Kessler. So I went to Ann Arbor, Michigan. I went to the University of Michigan after high school. And in college, yeah, everyone's like, no, we never did. We never compared our, our small penises. It's fucking weird and kind of gay. And so then Kessler went to Manhattan. He went to NYU. And when he would tell people, I think he told one person about it, like his roommate and his roommate's like, dude, what the fuck kind of small redneck town did you grow up in? That's some weird deliverance type shit. And so he never told, he was really embarrassed about it. So he never told anyone. And so I remember I visited him, like, I think it was like my freshman year of college. And we were talking about Essexville and uh, I was telling this, telling, I was telling like one of his friends about, you know, oh yeah, a small penis kind. And Kessler's like, dude, don't tell people about that shit. Like he was like he was like embarrassed yeah. about it, legit embarrassed. And I think we were talking about it on the second show, like he, you know, years later he'd be like, you know, every chick I've been with said my dick's not the smallest, you know, that she's ever seen. Like he was trying to like rationalize to himself that this was just you know like something that happened, deeply repressed part of your adolescent years. I think if you're from a small town, then you understand that it's just small town shenanigans, small dicks and small town shenanigans. And you will do anything just to find kicks and funniness. And I still think it's funny. And this is something that totally would have happened in Penrith if we'd known about it at the time. It would have. I could see it kicking out of pies. Would you have been the the judge? Like, would you have been breaking out the ruler and measuring? I'm not sure that if I would have gotten that close to the dicks, but I would have certainly helped and judged and maybe been on the panel of the small dick club. Yeah. We go into detail about the logistics of the small penis contest on a second show. I'm not going to go into we that do. here. Um, yeah, with Steele, we were talking about it. We also talk about how uh, Kessler was the reigning champ. Like, he was the reigning champ. Like He wouldn't even, like when we would... A small penis contest would just spontaneously break out. He would just sit sit there and watch until finally it was like everyone went and they all got measured, and then he would step out and just slay everybody. It's like a button on out. a fur coat. Oh, yeah. bless. Tiny. But, yeah, but it wasn't like he was a dodd for it, though. It wasn't like anyone made fun of him. He was like coming out as like Hulk Hogan. In Essexville, Michigan, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that, to, to Tim's point... <laughs> Yeah, Michigan is fucking weird. And no, it, it's it's not normal to have a small penis contest. It's funny, but it's also weird and kind of gay. So there you go. Well, is it also weird and kind of gay that I don't think it's weird? And I'm just like, yeah, I accept it. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it would have happened. It's I, th- I think you would have laughed about it, just like I did. But I, But yeah. at the same time, you know, I can understand from somebody, you know, who's in Manhattan or grew up in New York City or some, or even my friends in college were just like, that's fucking weird. You well, you know what? They need to get cocks? off their high horses. They need to get off their high horses and just whip, whip their cock out in a room full of other men and let it be measured. It's not like you're winning money or anything. It's just you're just winning recognition. You know, yeah. in the ancient Greek days and the Romans, if you had a monster dong, you were actually seen as a physical monster. The the tiny penis. That's why, you know, Michelangelo's like David, tiny penis. It's because yeah. that's what was considered attractive. So technically, what you guys were doing was just something that the, probably the ancient Greeks and the Romans would have been like, this is great. Can we sculpt you? Can we draw it after? Yeah, well, the ancient Greeks and Romans did a lot of other gross things, too. They were also like kind of weird and kind of gay. 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know that that was that you're right. Um, small penises were were seen as a sign of masculinity and uh, and attractiveness. So and at least that's what I keep telling myself. Um, oh. <laughs> Everyone knows you I, have a small penis. Well, I would never marry a small penis. And to be honest, I never actually ever won one of those competitions. I always kind of yeah, I don't even think I placed, but I'd still yeah. compete. You know why not? Yeah, get it out for the lads. For the yeah. lads. If, if you're drunk enough, small penis contest will happen. Uh, next caller, I wonder if this guy has ever uh, competed in a small penis contest. Marshall Island Tony. Ooh. Hey, this is Tony. I'm telling you about uh, Mama Han's boat trips in Vietnam. Mama Han is this middle-aged... You know, small penis contest in Asia, that's like a whole other level. I well, don't know if that's it has fair. scientifically been proven that the Chinaman does have the smallest wiener. It's not racist to say it. It's not stereotypical. It's been scientifically proven. And uh, can, I just want to put this out there. I do know where Vietnam is, and I do know that Vietnam is a country and that it's not in India. I don't think we've ever competed against an Asian in the small penis contest. So that's a whole I, other level. That's like a, you know, a whole separate division. Yeah. I think if that had been an Asian in your high school, you'd have all been fucked. Yeah. And I, I yeah. think we'd, Kessler would have had some competition. Who has a good-sized party boat she takes tourists out on um, Cameron Bay on. And for starters, um, if there are any Jews or Lyman listeners out there, this first part is going to really turn you on. The whole day from hotel pickup, food, some homemade wine, weed, of course, stay in the boat. 20 Imperials American dollars. The only 20 thing that bucks. Cost extra were the beer. $20? Holy shit. That's fucking awesome. God, I'm surprised more Jews aren't going over there for vacation. You know, I'm, that's, I think that's where we're going next year. Fuck Lisbon and Paris. I was going to say, isn't, won't Vietnam be one of those countries though, where you can go over and live like a king with relatively little money? Yeah, I've heard like you have 40 grand and you'd like have like an awesome house and... One of those like tough. Well, no, tuck I'm not bikes. saying to live there. I mean to like go on holiday. Because like when I, like I know Poland's coming up and up every year. It's getting better and better. But when I first went to Poland, I lived like a fucking king. Everything was so cheap, man. And like the pound was just so fucking strong. The pound was pounding the fucking jloty <laughs> into the ground. Yeah. We're at Buck each. So anyway, we spent the day um, partying the boat in the, in, the, um, in the water, in the ocean, and... On the way back, we stopped at this um, little island. And I'm sitting at the dock area. I'm waiting for the little boat to take me back to Mom Han's boat. And these two little girls came up to me and started drawing Uh-oh. pictures on my hand with a pen. And um, I don't pay much attention at first because I'm pretty wasted. And I've always kind of had a way of uh, attracting little kids like flies on shit. Oh, are we going to find out that Marshall Island Tony's a nonce? No, I don't think he would ever go that far. Oh, God, I hope not. This is like the origin story. I hope not, because I love his phone me. calls. And I don't want to have to Probably start hating him. So, uh, especially a place like Saigon, I would just get swarmed by them. And of course, you know, the first thing I thought, well, the dirty little you know, Bolshevik brats are going to try to pinch my wallet, but none of them ever tried to do that. So I'd pick them up, you know, toss them there a bit, you know, stuff like that. Which is hilarious when you think, you know... Wait, do they, do they just swarm like any... You know, white tourist? Is that kind of what, what's happening here? Yeah, I think so. It happens. Wow, yeah. I remember when uh, I was in Egypt with my dad, 
uh, we were walking around by the pyramids and the Sphinx and all that. And there's just like, I mean, the, the worst poverty I've ever seen. And these kids are toddlers. They're like three and they're missing fucking eyes and fingers. And they're just trying to grab at your wallet, grab at your pants, grab at your cameras. And the whole time, I, you know, my dad's trying to hold his camera. And I'm just like, I wish I had a stick. I would just kind of knock him away. You know, I was just like, fuck. I was just on guard. It was very stressful. Doing that with some, some random kids on the street in you know, New York, London, don't think it would work so well. Anyway, I don't pay much too much attention to these two little girls. I guess they're probably like maybe four and six, something like that. Until I look closely at the pa- Where the fuck are the parents? Why, why are the parents letting a four-year-old girl just go up to some random sex tourist? Uh, the parents are probably also in deep poverty themselves, Dean, and are probably off somewhere fucking doing anything they can to get some shekels. Is this how you make money over there? For the for some people, this is all they have in life, D. I guess. God. I mean, because you would never see that in, a, like, in Penrith, for example. Some four-year-old kid just running around by himself. Well, no, because you'd hope we've got, like, a bit of social reform about us. But, like, yeah, it's fucking a bit sad. But This is Nam. Like, it's Vietnam. Isn't that? Drawing, I realize they're drawing little, like, pictures of pussies and dicks on my hand. <laughs> and I looked up to the you know, relatively older one, and she kind of smirks and points to her mouth. You know, it generally doesn't... Oh, no. It takes a lot to shock a jaded whoremonger like myself. Ah. But... That one left me speechless. So it, it was time to go. As I say, nah, never get off the fucking boat. But other than that, than that, it was a good day, good price. So if you're ever in um, Natrang, this is a few years ago, so I'm not sure it's still going. Probably isn't, but Mama Han's boat trips. And uh, anyway, with that bit of cheer, um, happy holidays. <laughs> there's, a, there's a holiday message from Marshall Island Tony Go to Vietnam wow. and get your dick sucked by a four year old So we learned uh, that Marshall Island Tony does have limits <laughs> He has morals I always told you that guy has a moral compass I knew he did Oh you don't have to tell me I love uh, Marshall Island Tony I know well, I remember, his heart is in the right place sometimes. Harrison just hated him, and he was just like, but I always thought it was weird. I was like, okay, so now you got one pervert denouncing another one? Another per- like, yeah, I on. always thought that. I was like, Harrison, you want people to chase you around with a knife? Like, like Marshall Antonio's never threatened anybody with a knife, nor has he stabbed anyone. I don't... Well, I don't know. Maybe... I wonder if Marshall Island Tony has a more impressive suitcase filled with sex toys. I don't think he needs sex toys. No, he's got hookers. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, thank you, Marshall Island, Tony, and a happy holidays to you. Yeah. Um, People, you can call Sick Around Hotline, 323-522-4032. We do always love to hear from you. Uh, Once again, big ups to all the listeners who support us on Patreon. We do appreciate that. You are the ones that uh, keep it sick and wrong every week. I mean, we're on 17 years of doing this show, and now it's because of the Patreon. That's the only thing that really keeps me going. So I do appreciate you guys supporting the show. Patreon.com slash sickandwrong. Also, we have a T Public store. You can buy some uh, some Sick and Wrong merch. Sickandwrongpodcast.com slash shop. Just click on the picture of the Pope. And finally, here's Sick and Wrong Song of the Week. I was trying to find a good, like, drag queen um, to, to, you know, a song to end the, end the show with. But I don't really know any, I don't know much about drag queens. I'm not that into the drag scene. 
Before people start writing in, uh, I did suggest Trixie to D. But Trixie does like a lot of country songs and like a lot of them are covers and like it's just not very sick or wrong. And Trixie's great. Well, I just did a search for like, you know, uh, drag queen dirty and, and or sexy or whatever. <laughs> and this one was the first thing that, that came up. Well, Sharon Needles came up, but so did mm-hmm. who have heard of her. But so did this one, who I've never actually heard of this one, of uh, Alaska Thunderfuck. But it's a nice. great name. <laughs> it is. Um, yeah, so uh, anyway, this song is called The Tea, and it's by Alaska Thunderfuck. And I do recommend checking out this video because she uh, looks quite fabulous. It's from her, uh, her album Pound Cake, which came out in 2016. Uh, thank you, Diego, for being on the show. People do a search for Diego Gajira on YouTube and check out some of his fights. And I'm going to put a link up to his Instagram where you can purchase some of his artwork or even a tattoo. Um, we ran the show here with Alaska Thunderfuck the T. We'll be back next week with episode 877. Till then, take it sleazy. Alaska Thunderfuck and I have something to say. I like black tea, I like black tea. I never touch Tina and that's the tea. I know I'm what's the tea, I said that I don't drink. So you bitches probably don't even know what to think. When you see me in the club, getting crunk, acting stupid, getting drunk. I got a hundred problems, drinking ain't one. I try to quit drinking but it's too much fun. I keep it cute and I act my age. And you're never ever gonna see me drunk on stage. It's a new dawn, it's a new age. Metallica, turn the page, turn the page, turn the page. Chun-Li, streets of rage. I smash some pumpkins, rat in a cage. Let's pay women an equal wage. No, seriously. What the fuck? Now let's talk about my exes. I cheated on Sharon with the guy in Texas. I'm just kidding, he was really in Florida. But what the fuck fucking rhymes with Florida? We were good together, but we're better apart. And I learned a lot from that broken heart. Sharon and Chad, I'm happy for you. So roam the cat, I fucking miss you, boo. Not every breakup turned out so well. I put a lot of really nice guys through some fucked up hell. But then there was this one guy. Carl. And if you've read it, you probably know all about this already. Tried to death star my whole fucking planet Talking shit, dropping names Screen capping, playing games I've had it officially The bitch tried to really, really come for me He crossed me like the river sticks But the sex was good cause I like small dicks Bitch. You think you're a fan, but you're only a mess, bitch Real fans, I fucking love you I lay myself down on the train track for you In fact, I made this fucking record for you Call me Delano, cause I adore you oh, Yeah, you yeah. Specifically oh. The AAA girls went bankrupt morally Willem met some models and serviced them orally He's probably on the way to replace us quick Just like he fucking did to detox and Vic Michelle 
told me not to fuck with clicks Michelle always told me not to fuck with clicks Oh yeah, that reminds me about that thing The secret I've been hiding like a ding-a-ling I did some challenges, I won a few Oh yeah, that's a thing called All-Stars too. I can't blame you, Adore They went in really harsh that first day And if it had been me in your position Who knows, I might have done the same thing I'm just lucky, I guess. I feel blessed, but I'm stressed. I wanna be the best. I just wanna be the best. A hundred thousand dollars, it ain't that much to fuck up your mind and all your friends that you trust. I'm sorry, Coco. I'm sorry, Tatiana. I'm sorry, Mom. I wanna smoke some marijuana and move on. Cause it's all just a game, and it is what it is at the end of the day. Hey, yo, it's sick and wrong. This is Tracy Morgan. I just wanted to let you know that I love your show, and I want you to keep going on with the dogs. Thanks a lot. Peace.